Welcome to the AI Assisted Organization podcast with your host, myself, Piers Linney, my co-host and co-founder of Implement AI, Dr. Alok Shukla. Alok, so you're in Mumbai. That's right, Piers. How are you? <laughs> so you're, not, you're out there selling AI, or you're um, actually having a, trying to have a brain, but we're still, we're still doing a podcast, aren't we? To be honest, I'm actually reading loads and I'm still looking around at different places where I am at like, um, and seeing, this, I mean, the scale of digital transformation here is quite insane. I always keep an eye out for AI opportunities and different things. So yeah, no, great place. I'm heading off to Cornwall uh, this week as I'll be working out of the car park in the, the Eden Project in Cornwall for Anthropy, which is, uh, it's not quite, this is like the, like the Davos in the UK. It's about people, place, prosperity and the planet. So that's going to be really interesting. And I'm doing a couple of sessions there on um, AI. So you know, AI, um, how it's going to augment humans and just generally about how it's going to affect um, the, the next generation, which is what we're really focused on and building a better Britain. So today we're going to do, we're going to do our usual um, AI for business news. There's quite a bit of that, quite a small amount. So, we're going to run through a few sort of uh, interesting pieces of news from the last week. And also our theme this week is going to, one thing we one thing we found is that people, you, know, you, you talk about AI cutting costs, that's, you know, that's one possibility. But one thing we focus on really is growth. How do you grow, in a, in especially in a small and medium-sized enterprise? What's the low-hanging fruit and how do you start going about it? So we're going to focus on that today. So, and then we're going to talk a bit about AI in terms of what we're doing, implement AI and the services that we offer. And then, of course, AI of the week. So let's get straight into it. So some news from us, actually. So I'm going to talk a bit about Microsoft and Satya Nadella's manual um, letter to shareholders. So we are a Microsoft AI partner. So I was a Microsoft partner for many years, like a decade, and I was actually a global, believe it or not, global hosting partner of the year in 2010. So we're back into the uh, Microsoft ecosystem, which is super powerful. And we're also now on the Microsoft Startup Founders Hub, which is fantastic for us and any other startups that want to use Microsoft infrastructure or technology, get some credits in there for Azure and lots of other technologies. So that's fantastic. But Satya Nadella is the CEO of Microsoft. He, they write this sort of annual letter to shareholders and this is quite long. So of course I got ChatGPT to summarize it for me. And um, bits I'm going to pull out, there's, there's bits in there about you know, ethics. We're going to focus more on the, the pieces that are relevant to AI for business. And one, and a lot of it was about AI. So Microsoft, one thing I've always said about Microsoft is, you know, don't bet against Microsoft. You know, they had a, <laughs> other moments where they caught up on the cloud, but they're definitely, um, you know, one of the leaders now, especially in so, some areas such as cyber, sort of cyber security, which we'll touch upon. So one thing he was saying that the AI, they're looking to integrate AI and integrate across industries. It's not, you know, it's never going to be industry specific. So they're creating partnerships across industries, cross sectors, from healthcare to automotive and also in infrastructure. I mean, everyone's got to deal with NVIDIA, but Microsoft have done that. And of course they did a very big deal with the open AI. So we'll see where that goes. And then I think more interestingly is, is that the innovation in AI and the cloud, these things go together. So you know anything about the cloud, cloud's about infrastructure, about scale, it's about being able to access, you know, pute and storage at a sort of scale and at a sort of a level of security you can never do yourselves. And the cloud, it really is powering artificial intelligence. You know, you can't afford, you know, what did um, Tesla buy? 30,000 NVIDIA GPUs. Yeah, it doesn't work. So you need these things in the cloud as scale and you can use them and, and consume them as and when you need them, the quantities you need them. So Microsoft, AWS are doing this as well, clearly, and Google as well. But Microsoft are absolutely, you know, betting the farm on this. And um, we're glad to be a part of no, 100%. Like, I mean, you look at like the, the pace of change and when we've had our updates with some of the senior internal team members and stuff, they're even saying themselves that like, their own decks are going out of date very quickly. I know it's a very exciting time and 
honestly, when I see the kind of like the, the amount of products and the specializations and then the capabilities that they're unlocking and unleashing, it's really quite profound. And we were literally just catching up on this before the call that like the technology available right now is already so powerful and people are barely scratching the surface of it. And, and larger companies are even further behind the curve. So, you know, what we're going to be covering today in terms of like where to start with AI projects and where to unlock opportunities, there is just so much right now, basically, right? And Microsoft are absolutely one of the most powerful engines behind this. And if you're Microsoft, AWS, or Google, you have these sort of um, enormous infrastructure platforms, very hard to compete, very hard to catch up in terms of deploying this technology. I remember when I was a global hosting part of the year, I had lunch with Steve Ballmer, former CEO of Microsoft. And uh, I was sort of saying, I oh, know we've got these data centers, we've got the sort of geo-redundant in cases, you know, even a nuclear bomb wouldn't affect it. And he's kind of, yeah, we, we have a similar setup, but um, we have continental redundancy. <laughs> I mean, that's the scale that they think of. So I, I just shut up and finish my lunch. <laughs> you can't, can't compete with that. And then the other thing he mentioned in his letter was, and this is actually really important, is that the real... <laughs> <laughs> the real two breakthroughs he sort of boiled it down to to define this new area, this new era, are natural language processing, the ability to, like we always say, talk to technology in natural language, or touch on this later in terms of encode as well, and this reasoning engine, right, which you know, we, we'd call intelligent essentially. And putting those two together means that you can now talk to technology, it's intelligent, it can, it can, it can access data, it can think about things in almost sort of a human way and respond to you in a very human manner. And that's what Microsoft are basing their co-pilots on. So you've got co-pilot in GitHub, co-pilot now Windows 11, co-pilot in Microsoft 365. Our understanding is this is going to be John general release during November. Heard that on the sort of a grapevine from somebody at Microsoft, which is very exciting. And also they're now rolling it out in other technologies such as Dynamics 365. I think that was the key change that he thinks um, Microsoft are doubling down on. And another one that Microsoft are focusing on is um, cybersecurity. So we always say there's going to be this arms race between uh, the bad actors and the people using this technology. And the bad actors are going to have AI on their side as well. Uh, and that's going to be really interesting. And one thing that people don't know about Microsoft is it's probably, if not, it's one of the largest security yep. companies in the world. Think of all their platforms and security that required and platforms like Azure. You look at the Gartner, the magic quadrant in terms of cybersecurity. Microsoft are always up there at the top. So Microsoft bet the farm on this. They see this as their future. And um, that's really exciting for anyone that's a, a Microsoft partner or anyone who uses, which is most people somewhere, Microsoft technology. And then just the Microsoft and side point is that, you know, founder, former chairman, CEO, Bill Gates <clears throat> said that he, he was asked, you know, first of all, when he saw generative AI in action, opening AI, I think it was like late last year, early this year, he was blown away by it. He said, this is the, you know, the, the next biggest thing since sliced bread, essentially, or probably the PC. But now he, he commented that he thinks that generative AI may have plateaued and that GPT-5 will not be any better. Now, we've said before in this podcast, say, what is GPT-5 now? Yeah, GPT-4 with vision, is that GPT-5? So there's also incremental steps. You know, GPT, chat GPT, you can now talk to, is that GPT-5? So when they launch and call it GPT-5, there'll be a good reason for it. I don't know how you think, but you know, if you look at all the people that are in this game, especially like the DeepMind founders, almost three of them I've, I've heard now, say that the compute... The money that's going into this, which we'll touch upon as well, the um, it is going to absolutely evolve. Even if it's just multi-modality. A lot of people say, we've said this as well, is that even if you stop today, it's already going to change the world. Yeah, it's not just multi-modality. It's also um, within one context. So I think the key thing here is that like, if released obviously Vision, they've, they've got Code Interpreter, they've got these different elements, they've got DALI within, within GPT as well. But up until now, these have all been separate contexts. But once you've got it in one area where you can feed an image, ask it to create an image for you, and then also 
give an example of a previous image or a previous document and converse in that. I think the, the synthesis and the interdependence and the interrelationship within different pieces of information and the outputs that will be possible will be much more diverse. So I think we're really barely even scratching the surface of what's possible with, with, with these technologies. And as you talked about quite rightly, scaling the compute up is going to just unlock even more potential within this. So, I mean, really, I think that people have just been like almost like losing their, their kind of like breath because there's been so many releases. I think now can be the time to kind of consolidate and these models allow these different tools that were once separate within there to be within one, one part of the same context window. And I think we're going to just see more and more use cases unlocked, but I don't think it's plateauing. If anything, it's just accelerating. Yeah, I totally agree. Think of things like, you know, ChatGPT plus if you use it, you've got DALI 3 in there, you know, text to image, text to video is coming as well. And, you know, but you, but you can't use this sort of, you can't take a photograph and ask what it is and then put it through DALI. You have to, you have to have different chats. They join that all together. So in one conversation, you can have advanced analytics, you yeah. can have DALI 3, you can have um, sort of basically sort of chatbot interaction and you can have access to all that technology in one chat plugins. That'll be a game changer. So I, I'm not sure I agree. I think it's going to be incremental, but even if it does slow down, the water model, the waterline, where we are now, that's where we were at the end of last year, just enormous change. And, and speaking of... Um, yeah, and, and look, and just look at two things, right? Look at the power that's available and look at how much power is actually implemented, right? The delta between the power that's available in these systems and APIs and models and within what's actually been implemented in any kind of business is absolutely enormous. So if we're talking about increasing that delta even further, you know, like there's, there's just so much space right now, basically. It always amazes me. I was in a room, I did a keynote and I mentioned AI the other day. And I always sort of say, you know, who in the room is using ChatGPT Plus and has got a kind of $20 a month, whatever it is. You might get four people out of a hundred or even more than that. You put the hands up. And it just amazes me that the potential, the asymmetry of potential and information and capability is enormous for those people that actually use this technology, but few are. Like Microsoft, all the big companies, all the announcements, everyone's got to make an announcement related to the AI. So you've seen Lenovo, you know, make laptops and they... They're sort of saying that, you know, we are now leveraging existing large language models and we're going to fine tune them for specific use cases. They've also done a deal with NVIDIA like everybody else. But it's going to be interesting seeing which these strategies actually actually work and make a difference because a lot of it's just the fact that they feel as though they have to say something. And I think in your business, it's not to get the key, and we're going to talk about this in the theme today, is it's not to get lost in the noise and all these announcements and everyone's trying to do something. It's just to look at your business and where can you use this technology today to actually improve things. And if something in your laptop that helps it, but this is kind of hardware. So I'm not entirely sure why they're trying to play in the kind of, in software as well, because again, like even the big players are struggling to keep up. And then moving on, Midjourney. So mentioned this a lot, Midjourney has actually now finally got a website. If you've never heard of Discord, um, don't worry, you never need to, in most cases, but that's where it resides. You have to be able to use Discord, which is like a sort of, a, it's like a, a forums software essentially, or, if you can't use Discord, you can't use Midjourney. I know they built a website now. You can't go in there and now do text images or anything quite yet, but uh, it's getting there. So within a couple of months, hopefully, that'll be working. And it is, I do use it a lot. If you want sort of cinematic, super realistic, photorealistic images where you know, people can't tell the difference between that and reality, and Midjourney, I think, is still extremely good at that. It is, it's the best out there, but the ones aren't quite there yet. So go and have a look at that. It's um, beta.midjourney.com. And moving on, and we've got to mention that um, Rishi Sunak has uh, announced, I think it was there last week, because we've got the Bletchley Park AI Safety Summit coming up um, this week, that the UK is going to sort of create a sort of an artificial intelligence safety institute, sort of a panel of experts. And we also want this to be 
international, which in my view is naive because do you think the nation states aren't going to be doing whatever they possibly can behind the scenes, get ahead in artificial intelligence? You're kidding yourself, but of course they know that. And that's for economic reasons, because there are obvious reasons. You want to have a, the advantage of especially artificial general intelligence, but also military reasons as well. So I think it's important we have this conversation, important that there are sort of rails put in place and there are these conversations about safety and alignment, but behind the scenes, everyone's running this as hard as possible. I think it's just one of those things that everyone has, someone has to make an announcement, and so that's an announcement, basically, right? You know, like uh, so, it's just it's just one of those things. And then moving on, now you're seeing real time chatbots. Now, you know, you, you might think that we've had you know, this conversation in text. We've probably all done it, Bard, and you know, you use Anthropic, Claude, and ChatGPT. But now, if it starts using thing, even ChatGPT, it's not quite real time. But now you're seeing the ability now to have conversations in a, a in, in any voice. So, so. A, voice is given or clone voice which is one that is it can be your voice or a very hd version clone voice uh, version of your voice which are indistinguishable from your own voice accent intonation the whole thing even even you can even hear breathing in these things and what this means now is what you're seeing and this is things like um play ht if you haven't seen that go and have a play ht and 11 labs one that we tend to prefer as well is that this conversational capability in real time is an enormous game changer. You're already seeing some of the US drive-throughs using this, where you're taking an order, what sounds like a human, but actually you're talking to a large language model. When they perfect this, which is going to be within, you know, maximum 12 months, the days of humans answering phones are over. It's not just phones, Piers. Imagine you're in like, um, I was going to say Dixon's or Curry's or PC World or somewhere like that, basically, right? Imagine you're looking at an item and you could start talking with an AI assistant that would start describing that item to you or what to do or different elements or even like the support at home. You're trying to install your, your piece of kit and you're talking to the system that's talking to you about how to fix it, how to do things, troubleshooting. Everything's going to be transformed with this, you know, even, even within shops for clothes. Imagine, you know, you can talk and ask for different information, potentially even share photos and stuff. I think I think customer service is going to become transformed. And you're absolutely right. This voice first, intelligence first interface and the speed of that, it's just going to make anything else just look broken, you know, and we're already at that place. Yeah, I mean, if you think of call centers, uh, the ability to access data, you know, get the answers right first time, speed up inquiries, speed up access to information, speed up, you know, just the, the customer experience would be infinitely improved. So, you know, humans could try their best, but you cannot compete with this technology. And if that voice can be anyone's voice, if that voice can sense your own accent and then respond to you, if you're Scottish, then respond to you in a Scottish accent automatically. And people don't really care whether these are robots or humans, as long as they get the answer they need and the problem they've got or the question gets sorted out or the question they've got is answered. So I think that we are seeing the end of um, people answering firms in call centers and, and like you say, Alok, increasingly anyone um, engaging with, um, you know, anyone shopping online or even in person. I mean, you talk about people in some of these shops, they're like the curries of the world. I mean, you're lucky to find people in them. So that's been an improvement. Yeah. And if you ask a question, they just read, they read the box basically. Like, But I think also imagine you add another dimension to that where the, where the, the, the voice agent is also like sensing how stressed you are, how literate you are, you know, what kind of language you want to be spoken to. And it modulates itself to like speak to you in a more patient way or in a calmer way or in a simpler way. You know, all these things are coming and, you know, I think Sam Altman said a very interesting thing. He said that, like, um, he said exactly. He said, like, the AI is going to be super persuasive before it's super intelligent, basically. And that's going to lead to very interesting outcomes. So in the same way, imagine you're dealing with an AI that's so persuasive and so compelling and able to explain to you exactly what you want or why you want to buy something. I mean, 
it's going to be quite interesting, especially when that's coming with a voice in a friendly way and it's almost like riffing with you and joking with you as you want it to. Yeah, so watch this space and this technology is already affordable. So moving on, so some, I mean, Anthropic, more news on Anthropic raising money. I mean, we, we announced, we announced it, we, we talked about the fact that Amazon were putting in $4 billion, um, a couple of weeks ago. And now Google have turned up again to put another $2 billion in. They've already committed, I think, I think it was $500 million and another one and a half or founders part of one and a half. So Anthropic is just raising money at, at a ridiculous pace. This is crazy new company. I mean, executives, people that set this up, but former um, open AI. So you're seeing this kind of, this race between uh, these startups, which, you know, got enormous amounts of money to improve this technology. And again, the ability to catch up, you know, whether you are, there's you know, some hardware company trying to add some AI on top of it or open source AI or open source LLM developers, you know, that, that, it's impossible to keep up with these companies. Yeah, and because they, their whole vision is that you can scale these models by scaling compute. And so obviously they just try to act as much compute as they possibly can. And obviously Amazon are committing, but Google are committing. And so, you know, the, the models that we're using at the moment for like Claude and for OpenAI, I don't have the figures for exactly, but let's say there's several hundred million, you know, dollar models. We're going to be getting access to billion dollar, multi-billion dollar models, you know, within the next year, basically. And then like you rightly said, the capability of those unlock even further dimensions and, and even new kinds of characteristics and features can just become emergent within that because of the, just the size and the scale of what's going on within there. So it's going to be really good for anyone that wants to implement this for business, basically. You're just getting access to the latest stuff and they're all just competing with each other to give it to you. And the beauty of this is, is that clearly because they're raising so much cash, they need revenue models. So they've got to start generating money from these 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 businesses. And to do that, you know, there's going to be consumer use case, few applications. A lot of them are going to be commercial. So you're going to see them rolling out and then competing, rolling out, you know, these models, these capabilities, in terms of features, the benefits. So it's going to be um, 2024. I'm not sure that Bill Gates has quite got it right. Whether they have chat GPT-5 or not, who cares? This is moving at an um, incredible pace. And then just on that, just moving on, just on that, so there's a, an open source. So it's got open assistance and they were trying to create the, the kind of the, the open source chat GPT. They've thrown in the towel base. I think everyone's kind of moving on to different things because they're all they're getting offered too much money from the, from the sort of private proprietary large language model developers. And they basically said, look, it's open source. We've taken it this far. We can't compete with the, these private companies throwing billions of pounds at this in terms of resource. Probably having resource poached as well because they've been offered a huge amount of money to go and work for the likes of you know, Google or OpenAI or Facebook or Meta. So they've given up. And this is the point is that you know, in, increasingly, this is a game for the big boys and girls. It's impossible to compete unless you're literally throwing billions of pounds at it. And I think that's, in some ways, you know, that's that's the nature of the beast. That's the, 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 the system we live in. I mean, after, oh, oh, you were saying that Meta, though, do have a lot of open source. My question to all the Meta is, what part of that's going to be commercial? They have, like, use cases where you can use it for commercial, but I think up until not that long ago, Llama was, like, um, state-of-the-art and, um, you know, it has so many features available within it, and then it was released as an open source thing. But I think the way you got to think about these things is, like, these guys are, like, the electricity companies, right? So imagine it's, like, I don't know, you've got, like, one company that's like a nuclear power point providing a certain type of electricity, another one's providing, you know, gas power electricity, another one's hydroelectricity, or whatever it is. But they, those electricities offer different power and capabilities or different things like this. I mean, most of us, like 99.9% of us are not trying to be in the, you know, like servicing or delivery of electricity or intelligence. We're just trying to like use it, connect to it, leverage it and, and how you can integrate it. But I mean, there are extremely powerful open source models like released from Meta and other things like this. And even from, um, you know, which are available hugging face other places like this, which have like, you know, capabilities that were like tuned out of let's say OpenAI's GPT because for example it won't allow you to identify people or anything like that within OpenAI's GPT 
but you've got other ones, you know, from within Amazon or other ones from Llama, which allow you to do those things, right? Like, uh, so you can have like computer vision applications and different things available within those er- different areas. So I think that like, you know, the ability to have like these open source models and then fine tune your own data, which OpenAI is also allowing you to do it. I think there's more than enough possibilities available. It's worth saying that the cost of these things is going to reduce massively. Um, you know, sending uh, someone, saying anything into space, you know, a decade ago was literally billions, if not multi, multiple millions of pounds. And I can do it for, you know, tens of thousands of pounds. So you obviously the, the ability to create your own models and fine tune them will be something that almost anyone will, will be able to access within uh, their five to 10 years maximum. So that's going to be interesting seeing how that plays out. But I think well, my point is that whether you're Meta, whether you're Google, whether you're Microsoft, you're OpenAI, you're Amazon, whoever it is, that once you get ahead in this game on the exponential curve, even if you start later on, it's going to be very, very difficult to catch up in terms of the learning, the technology, and especially if one of them trips over, you know, the technical way of describing it, artificial general intelligence. Right, moving on. So I was watching something quite interesting um, about the future of developers. The chap who made the video um, is a developer, and he was saying, what you need to do is not worry about it. You know, my view is code's going away, right? He was saying that think of English, this natural language, the ability to talk to technology now. Think of English now as a new coding language, you know, various libraries. And the large language model essentially is a code interpreter, and that should that should make you feel more comfortable. Now, I'm not sure how that does. Uh, and again, I think that you know we increasingly are seeing that it becomes natural language and becomes real time, becomes almost like having a conversation with something. You'll be able to talk to technology. I think we said this before as well. Like one of your favorite examples is the ability to take a picture of a sort of a wireframe on a whiteboard and begins to write the code. So you know we we use developers in terms of uh, implement AI. Um, but we're also looking at no code, which is not always quite there in terms of what we want to do with it. But also we're looking at this ability for code to write itself and have AI agents that are sort of recursive and begin to improve it. But we're still, even even though we would like to be able to do this out of the box of agents, we're still not quite there yet. Developers, and the key to really look, isn't it, is the, the architecture. It's understanding how this stuff all fits together. I think that the building, being the architect, not the builder, Exactly, exactly. So, so being the architect is important, but it's also like look at what kind of application you're trying to code. So like there's, there's the type of, of application where you're creating something new, which didn't exist before, and you're having to like, you know, fundamentally like reorganize, connect, and, and uncover new kind of like solutions and solving abilities. That's like one type of thing. The other thing is that's called like boilerplate type code, where you're actually trying to like assemble something, which is, let's call it the kind of like coding equivalent of make a PowerPoint presentation or something like this. You know, like these, these systems are very, very good for auto-complete and finishing different items off, but they're not going to be necessarily, and they'll be able to get a good first pass at like creating something new if you describe it but like if you're trying to like do a self-driving car or something like this it's not quite there in, in that kind of this that kind of like development yet but i think the key thing here is like the, the skill and the complexity of the project these things can take on is just increasing over time and it is just becoming another abstraction coming into english basically but i mean yeah i think this is where this is all leading in that like before it was like you could not have your own software projects or your own software solutions or your own things to kind of like manage the things that you want to but now we're in the long tail of software because like you said you know language can help you unlock anything so we are going to see a much more common approach to like software programs and code and a lot more things which are just created just as and when you need it basically and um, but it's just going to make the amount of coding it's just going to go up exponentially a bit like digital photography right you know like before before photography the, the amount of people that could take photos and stuff was one thing after it everyone's got mobile with a camera everyone's a photographer right so now i think in the same way we're going to see this kind of evolve, basically. Yeah, photographer, and also now ability to edit photos as well. Yeah, I think you're right, and I think for business, the 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 reason we're talking about this is the big, the great news is is that that ability to 
you know, write code, whether you do it yourself or an AI does it or somebody does it for you. But the, the cost of generating code, the size of the team you're going to need is shrinking. You still have humans involved in coding for the foreseeable future, but that blocker often, that, that cost, and yeah. I've been there so many times myself and through companies I've invested in, that the cost of generating code and software is uh, where a lot of the money goes in the first in the first year or two. That is shrinking and that is a huge opportunity. Anyone in any business, think about how do you, we're going to talk about it now actually, how do you grow, how do you create great customer experiences? You can focus on that, not worry so much about how you fund it. No, I just thought something like, for example, like when best practice coding is done, there's lots of annotation, which is done for the human to be able to like, understand if another coder is looking at it, what is what and how is how is this 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 part created? And I saw a very nice example where a coder on YouTube, on, on Twitter had created an auto annotation. So basically what would happen is he was coding, he was using AI to annotate and describe the different sections of code within there. So I can totally see straight away that like, you know, I've got a project actually where I need to transfer from one dev team to another dev team. And then the issue I'm going to have to have is like having one coder Coder explained another coder what's going on, but I was just thinking straight away. You know, having an AI annotation, having AI description, and even AI identification of any errors which might be issues and stuff like this to flag it. So then the conversations with the human coders can be focused on those areas. That makes that makes things much more much more transparent, much much more compelling, and and it just makes it like much easier. So I think AI coding is is not just about the actual execution of the code. It's also in the maintenance, debugging, and even like, you know, um, upgrading all of that system, just make it a lot more easy and transparent. Because before, if you're non-technical, how do you know what the quality work that's been done to you has been? Whereas now you can actually ask AI to evaluate it and give you an opinion on that, basically. Yeah, it's, it's reducing the inherent risk in a lot of these uh, projects. All right, moving on, let's talk about Implement AI. So if you haven't downloaded our white papers, uh, the recent one, which has uh, some great feedback, is on AI agents, which is uh, kind of how you augment your human resource, your team, your workforce, whatever you want to call it, your colleagues with artificial intelligence. So that can start with training, which we do, uh, but also by building or deploying existing AI agents, uh, something definitely worth reading. But the AI-assisted organization um, sort of overall framework white paper and one on chief um, AI officers, which is something that we're sort of rolling out. We're working quite a few clients on there. And then if you haven't signed up yet, we've got the AI Insider newsletter. You sign up on the website, you'll get a little sort of automated video from me uh, in, in exactly the same spot. We're not wearing a hoodie. Um, to sec- and the idea there is to show you the, the capability about how you can start to personalize video. And that's improving all the time. And we're probably going to be moving some voice. So you might have myself and Alok chatting away to you in um, you know, WhatsApp note, voice notes or online. And AI training. So we've kind of more or less now officially launched our training academy. So we sent a letter out to, an email out to lots of um, people who are interested last week. Like great feedback on that. So we started rolling out the courses and we're going to sort of put in place a more kind of automated um, way of booking that. So training is actually really important. That's your first competitive advantage, right? Having this technology, having these tools, you know, giving someone a massive bag full of tools, it's very nice. They know how to use them. It's kind of pointless. In some cases, it's probably da- dangerous. In the same artificial intelligence, Alok always says, and you're completely right, it's a tool. You need to know how to use it. Before you even start worrying about automating workflows and deploying AI agents, you can create literally material capacity advantages through training your team, your colleague, and your, even your senior leadership team about how to use this technology. And the best way of doing that to start off is our AI Activate 60-day sprint. So it's about policy, framework, governance, get all that stuff in place. It's about looking at your business, your workflows, what's the low-hanging fruit, what are the biggest blockers, where's the largest ROI, and some training built in there as well. So that's something we've, we've done quite a few of those now, and uh, we've seen some real results. And we can help you develop an MVP or deploy one of our AI agents. And the ROIs, in some cases, are uh, off the chart. Uh, anything else on uh, implementing AI lot? No, you covered it well. So let's get into the theme then. So this is what we're all here for, really. News is interesting. So 
One thing that um, we we've kind of been on a journey ourselves, and it's been about you know sort of you know productized consulting these kind of sprints and how you understand artificial intelligence, how to use it, what it is, where it's going. But the key is how do you deploy in your business, right? This is what we do, and we started implementing AI because there's a lot of conversation about you know chatting with a chatbot and enormous companies investing billions creating technology or large enterprises deploying very complex um, sort of models and um, methodologies and ways of doing things that most companies are never going to do, not, not the foreseeable future at least. So implement I really is about helping SMEs, that's quite large companies, some of our clients have over 600 employees, how can you implement AI, there's a clue in the name, and you can start with cutting costs. So, you know, you talk about you know, how do you reduce headcount? How do you use artificial, artificial intelligence to replace people? And that's not really where we start. I think where we start and where our clients are sort of a, lot, a lot happier talking about the use of this technology is how do you grow your business? How do you sell more to the customers you've got? How do you create better customer experiences so you can grow your business or make your customers happier or less likely to churn without adding cost? And that might be human resource, but what it means is you're growing without this kind of linear correlation with your cost base. So that means that your margins are growing, it means your profits are going, and it means the value of your business is growing. I agree with you. And I think the, this is the key thing is like people don't know how to like link AI to their business. And I think this is the key thing of like where you start with a project. So AI as a force for driving commercial transformation is, is profound. And you need to really think in terms of a project selection, like almost like three dimensions. So like one area would be, let's call it a data approach. Another area is what we let's call it a communication approach. Third one is an innovation approach. So let's go to the first one, data approach. So this is where you want to like use data and use AI to look at your data specifically and unlock new sales and new opportunities from your customer data. So this is like putting on a pair of glasses that you to see things that you could not see before. So an example of this could be looking at a massive amount of customer data, emails, inquiries, phone calls, and using AI to identify within there people that did not have their needs served people that missed an appointment, people that missed purchasing, or even the people that have different characteristics that make them a fit for specific product. But then you didn't know about that. And then you're able to then precisely de detect and discover those people. So that's what we call like a, a project, a, a place to start. That's like a data approach. That's a very, very good place to kind of look at if you've got lots of data within your organization, which is, you know, not being looked at and not being analyzed. And this is where you can literally just almost like recapture revenue from, from thin air, basically. Another way of looking at it is like in terms of a scaling and communication approach. So you've got a certain number of customer agents and you know, team members which are doing phone calls, a certain number of people which are doing emails, a certain number of times you're, you're kind of communicating with their customers. But a new approach can be where you can unlock new sales by personalizing and scaling multi-channel customer agents or, you know, voice notes or emails or messages or two-way communication. So that's basically like where you're using AI to be, act as a new team, essentially, to support your team, to communicate to more people with more personalized communications. So that's like another good area, which is a good place to like look at. And the third one is what we call the innovation approach. And this is where you literally unlock sales by introducing new AI-enhanced products and services. And this is quite an exciting area for different places where different people, where they can see that by adding AI into their solutions, they can actually offer something new. So just to kind of give those three areas again, data approaches, you're not introducing any new, new AI to your customer, using AI to discover new customers. Communication approaches, you're working on A-side AI to communicate with more customers and cross-sell and upsell more people. An innovation approach, you're using AI to infuse and create a new whole new product or service to unlock new sales from. So they really they have like three main areas, which are good for as a project to start with to unlock AI. And in parallel to that, you can obviously upskill your team using AI so that they do their normal day-to-day -day work much more comfortably and much more streamlinedly to enable you to help get those benefits. But really in terms of project approach, you know, think data, 
communication or innovation, they're the kind of best ways to kind of like focus on it because, you know, the faster you can start to implement this, faster you can start to see some ROI from it. And then you can just compound and invest and grow that much further, basically. Yeah, that's spot on. And I'd add to that, that um, this is not kind of generic, you know, look at your business in terms of data or communication or innovation. This can be by, you know, workflow, by department, in some cases by almost like individuals, but in terms of data, like they talk about, we mentioned this before, talk about big data, okay? Forget big data, right? This means this is any data, no matter what, about what, what the size of your business is. You can have a small roofing company, okay? And you've got people taking phone calls in office and they're, they're missing things. That, that audio is, yeah. is gold dust, right? For you to go back and listen to it, work out who missed what, who said what, and then build that into training to improve it and iterate over time is painful and expensive. This technology shortcuts all of that. So it's now any data of any company of any size, but obviously the bigger the company, the, the bigger the potential is to extract insights and, and from that data and, and value essentially. And, and let's look at an example, right? When Google Maps first came out, I remember that there was like some companies or some organizations that they took crime statistics and then overlaid that over Google Maps. And then they then put like the house prices in different areas over that as well. So what you can do is like creation of your own unique data sets where you can start to see, okay, different layers of information together. You can start to see, okay, you know, where's the best houses? Where's the best schools? You know, where's the most crime, different things. So in the same way, for example, let's say a roofing company just mentioned that, right? Based on like how the weather is in different areas or based on like even the reviews, let's say the negative reviews. Imagine you for example create a system where you're looking at all the bad reviews of different roofing companies in different areas to find the unhappy customers from different places you know that could potentially like give you signal of like new opportunities people who are unhappy customers that are looking to churn or go somewhere else you've got the ability to create your own unique data sets and this is some a conversation we're having with some clients basically where they're piecing together information that's available one place another place another place to enable them to get like a, a view they could not see before so data is you know can be within your company or you can assemble it from externally but there are things that you could not see before that you can see now. And then to communications, add to that quickly. So don't forget that communications could be massively changed internally, not just externally. And part of it in any business, especially as your businesses get bigger, internal communications, sharing of information between you and your colleagues, senior leadership, people who are actually doing the work, people who are talking to customers, training, learning, building that back into that kind of iterative loop is very hard to do. And this technology also can speed up internal communications in lots of different ways. And then on the innovation, really, I think innovation is, and I've used myself, is don't just think of, imp- of, of sort of implementing AI as a way of some convoluted, complicated way of you know, innovating. You can literally talk to this technology and ask it, how should you innovate? Now, it's going to need some context about you, your business, what you're trying to do, what you're trying to achieve. Once you've given it the context, that's something you need to learn, we'll touch on training in a minute, is once you've got that context is, I mean, yeah, I said this last week, I've done it again, Alok, you know, it's becoming, it's becoming an obsession. I literally sit there talking to ChatGPT Plus, giving lots of context uh, and, and talk to it. And I mean, talk to it, not not chatting them, it's voice, having a conversation about strategic thoughts and ideas. Now, as I said before, you know, somebody get bad can be quite generic, but often there's some real value in there and it, you know, there's no bias, it's infinitely patient, it's fascinating. So you can use technology to innovate in, in many, many different ways. Just try it and see what happens. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And and I think like there are more and more people within different product suites and different markets where they're looking for AI-infused solutions. So if you start being able to like offer those to some of your own customers, that can potentially unlock the opportunities for you as well. And then we would say this all the time. We said it earlier in a bit about implement AI. But where to start, right, to grow your business and to implement AI and use this technology is training. It is making sure everyone in your business and start from your senior leadership team even if it's you you're not particularly techy you don't really lie and messing with this stuff is you need to understand 
what it is, how it works, where it's going, the context, the power of it, well, what it can do in your business today, what it may be able to do tomorrow and the day after that. Because then you can start to plan and implement it. That's the key is to start making these changes today. And training is, is the first step of actually helping your business grow by using this technology. And let me add to that. And what it's also going to do is scale up your human resource. So if you think about it, how do you grow? How do you get more, uh, you know, throughput for your business? How do you get more out of the investments you've already made, being in infrastructure, being in product development, being in people? And that's by scaling them up using artificial intelligence. Right. So hopefully there's a few tips there for you to sort of go away and start thinking about, okay, how do I start work on this today? And, and I mean, it's worth doing it today. So that's it for our theme this week on how do you start implementing AI to grow your business. Now let's do AI of the week. I'm going to slightly off piece this week because this is one for the creatives. You know, I like messing before, I like messing around with sort of imagery in the video as well. And think about, if you haven't seen it yet, go and Google BMW Advert iX2. And it's by a guy called uh, Martin Halin, or Halin, H-A-E-R-L-I-N. And uh, he's kind of like a, a, an AI director. He's making TV adverts and I'm using this. The issue is these these text or image to video technologies, they make quite short videos, they're quite choppy. So and the videos are always sort of 24 frames a second, these eight. So it kind of adds in two frames to get there. So you get a big sort of choppy looking video. But the technology, it's a platform, it's called topazlabs.com. They've got technology, you actually download the software, one for images really, and one for video. And this, this interpolates it, it upscales it, it improves the quality of it, and it's amazing. So it's taking your kind of choppy AI. So think about it now, you want to create a small short video, explainer about your business, whatever it might be. You know, your stock footage is never quite right. You spend hours and hours and hours, I've, trust me, I've done it, looking for the right image or video clip. Now you can create it. It's not brilliant when you first do it. But using technology like Topaz Labs means that you can now interpolate it, add in extra frames, and it basically puts in frames that get you from one to the other. And that kind of movement, it kind of builds it in there using artificial intelligence. And this is kind of like at the level, the quality you can use with TV and films to general release. So if you are creative and you're struggling with upscaling or getting your videos to look better than they need, as good as they need to do for a client, go and have a look at Topaz Labs. There are other ones, but this is a that fantastic place to start. If you want to see where video is going, go and look at the BMW advert. Whew, well, quite a long one this week. So that's that's it for this week. Let Alok go off into Mumbai, the Mumbai night, and do whatever you're planning to do. Um, I'm going to sort out my van conversion for the trip to Cornwall. Uh, so again, as always, um, please really do go and meet our, our white papers. We put a lot of work and effort into those in terms of the content we're trying to, you know, we're learning ourselves. We want to sort of share that learning. Please subscribe on the YouTube to our podcast. They all the video version of it. Please, if you haven't yet, please um, go and rate this podcast on Apple if that's the, your uh, platform of choice. Please rate it. It really does help us. And also, we, we need feedback. It helps us to get feedback to how we sort of change and uh, evolve this show to make it the most value for all of you listeners and those watching it. That's it for this week. This is the AI Assisted Organization podcast. Myself, Piers Lilly, and Dr. Alex Shukla. We'll see you again next week. See you, Piers.